0: From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, June 28th. The Utah accent. Sometimes it can be hard to pin down or even describe to those not living here. But it exists, especially in rural southern parts of the state. And new research suggests that it's more complicated than you might think. Justin Higginbottom speaks to a linguist about why some Utahns sound, well, a little funny.
1: When I saw what was on sale, I placed an order for three bales of corn, both whole and skim milk, and enough salsa to give me an ulcer, and I ended up spending more than I wanted to on the whitened cotton thread, but it was too good a deal
2: to pass up. That's Joey Stanley talking how he usually talks. He's an assistant professor in linguistics at Brigham Young University, and he's studying the Utah accent, which sounds like this.
1: When I seen what was on sale, I placed an order for three bells of corn, both whole and skim milk, and enough salsa to give me an ulcer. And I ended up spending more than I wanted to on the whitened cotton thread, but it was too good a deal to pass up.
2: Stanley researches sociolinguistics, that's how language interacts with social factors like race, class, education, and religion. And so I'd like to explore how Mormonese works, so is there a line between members and non-members in Utah? Mormonese is how members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints speak. It seems like the Mormon accent in Utah tends to be a more exaggerated form
1: of the Utah accent. Outside of Utah, it seems like Mormons
2: sound more like they're from Utah than from their own place. His findings suggest a Mormon living in California or Alberta has a tendency to sound like they're from Utah. Not only that, but a Mormon in Utah will sound different than a non-member of the church. Part of that could be because Mormons tend to socialize with each other, but Stanley thinks there's something else going on. But when you get people like in Utah County
1: or especially Salt Lake County or places where there are a lot of non-members, they still sound a little bit different. And it could be because they want to show you that they're Mormon. Like, hey, this is part of my identity. I talk a certain way. I dress a certain way. I behave a certain way. I go to church on Sundays and my accent is this way because that's what you expect me to do because
2: I'm a Mormon. He says there's more agency to the way we speak than we might realize. Recent research shows that when it comes to language, we're not just passive byproducts of our demographics. For example, I'm from St. Louis and I'm white, so I sound like someone
1: who was born and raised in the Midwest who's a white 33 year old male. But it's not that I, I speak this way because I just happen you know it just it just falls upon me and I'm, I'm stuck with the way I do. I speak this way partially because I want to show you and other
2: people that I am a 33 year old male, born and raised in the Midwest. Although a community's isolation does matter, a student of Stanley's looked at accents in rural Southern Utah, they found those residents have held on to a more old-timey pronunciation.
1: So things like, for example, the stereotyped put the horse in the barn thing instead of put the horse
2: in the barn, or you might hear like the Book of Marmon or you're gonna grow corn. Stanley has also collected data from Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming. And it's been fascinating to me to see that especially people in Idaho sound exactly
1: like people in Utah. And so it seems like what we think of as the Utah accent, at least the
2: northern boundary of it extends beyond Utah. So what we might think of as a Utah accent might not just be about Utah. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News.
0: The Bureau of Land Management has a new plan to replace the boardwalk at the Mill Canyon Dinosaur Track site. It includes several safety precautions to protect the 112-million-year-old fossils, while construction work is completed.
3: First and foremost, they will have at least one contract or BLM paleontologist on site and monitoring what's happening whenever they're doing construction work. So that's a great step
0: forward. Lee Shenton is the local chapter president of the statewide Utah Friends of Paleontology group. In January, one of their members alerted the BLM of possible risk to the dinosaur tracks. The BLM contractors had begun replacing a warped wooden boardwalk on site, and the observer sought tire marks and heavy equipment in areas known to have fossils.
3: And unfortunately, there was some damage to fossilized footprints out there. The good news is it was not particularly extensive, but it could have been if they hadn't been stopped. And to their credit, they stopped basically immediately and then reviewed what they were doing and asked us and many others how it could be done better.
0: Shenton says the track site is very rare for North America. It preserves around 200 different footprints of at least 10 different species from dinosaurs, birds, and crocodiles.
3: Many of them are very well preserved, so we'd like to see it protected. And uh, obviously the BLM has... uh a better view of how to do that now.
0: The BLM engaged several paleontologists to make recommendations on how to move forward with safely building a new walkway on site. This path is meant for public use so visitors don't tread directly on the tracks. Shenton says this is important because even though the site is hard rock, it's not that thick.
3: It's uh, maybe 10 or 20 centimeters thick in some places and it's brittle. The problem is if you even walk on it, the human body weight, if you step on the edge of one of the preserved tracks, can put microfractures in the rock, and you won't even notice damage until next spring when the freeze-thaw cycle uh, completes its business again.
0: The BLM's preferred plan would create a new walkway out of steel and concrete. The route to the construction area would be clearly marked and flagged to avoid further damage to fossil tracks and traces. And most importantly to the Utah Friends of Paleontology group, an expert paleontologist will be on site to monitor construction, unlike last time. The plan to replace the walkway at the Mill Canyon Dinosaur Track site is available for public comment until July 26th. You can find a link in the show notes on our website or podcast. The Mountain West's public lands are a big draw for families. Now, the Forest Service is bracing for a big one, up to 10,000 people at the Rainbow Family Gathering. Organizers say the events are designed to pray for world peace. They've been held for decades, and this year's is in northwestern Colorado, near Steamboat Springs. The gathering doesn't have a permit, making it technically illegal. Forest Supervisor Russ Bacon says officials can't stop the event partly due to the Rainbow family's loose-knit structure.
2: The Rainbow family does do a, a lot of work to rehabilitate their uh, their impacts. But based on past experience, even here in uh, 2006 in Big Red Park and, and others, we know there's going to be additional work likely to be done, whether it's addressing soil compaction issues or, or uh, revegetation.
0: An incident management team is in place to work with local law enforcement in monitoring the gathering. They say they'll also address any ecological impacts after the event. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, June 28th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.